We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 695 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Wednesday, November 8th, 2023, and Commander Carson is back, (laughs) back in the NFL, not officially, but multiple reports on Tuesday afternoon that former Commander's quarterback Carson Wentz is signing with the Los Angeles Rams. Now, the idea is for him to be the backup to Rams starting quarterback Matthew Stafford, who's recovering from a sprained ulnar collateral ligament in his right thumb. But know this, the commanders are at the Rams on Sunday afternoon, December 17th at 4.05. Yeah, the commanders potentially could be facing Carson in a little more than a month. How'd you like to see that? The commanders versus Carson. The commanders versus Commander Carson. Uh, Much more on the return of our guy Carson Wentz to the NFL and some thoughts on some roster moves by the commanders on Tuesday coming up next segment. But hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Also coming up on the show, high-level film breakdown analysis of the Commanders with Commanders analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. I've gotten good feedback to having Mark as a regular guest on the podcast this Commander season, and we on this show are going to cover a lot of ground. Uh, Mark is going to tell us the number one reason that the commander's sack problem has been a lot less of a problem these last two games. Uh, Mark is going to explain quarterback Sam Howell doing so well against the Blitz in the 2017 win at the New England Patriots this past Sunday afternoon. Mark is going to shine a spotlight on the good work of corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. in the win at the Pats. Mark is going to react to the commander's trading edge defenders Montez Sweat and Chase Young off Mark in his last appearance on the pod advocating for the commanders to sign Chase to a contract extension. Uh, Mark's going to discuss where the commanders' all first-round picks starting defensive line went wrong. All of that and more with Mark Bullock coming up. Uh, Also, I will talk college basketball as both Maryland and Georgetown had their season openers on Tuesday night. The Terrapins beat Mount St. Mary's 68-53 at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland to begin season number two with Kevin Willard as head coach. The Hoyas smashed LeMoyne 94-57 at Capital One Arena in the debut of Ed Cooley as Hoyas head coach. Uh, Before we get to some feedback, a few baseball items. Orioles executive vice president and general manager Mike Elias, he on Tuesday morning at the general manager's meetings in Scottsdale, Arizona, was named the winner of the 2023 MLB Executive of the Year Award, uh, which is voted on by each of MLB's 30 clubs. A well-deserved honor for Mike. How about that Executive of the Year? Uh, meantime, the Nationals reportedly have a new bench coach, Miguel Cairo. Uh, the Nats reportedly are hiring him to be their new bench coach. He replaces Tim Bogar, who was part of the uh, purge of manager Davey Martinez's coaching staff. Uh, Cairo spent this past season as the New York Mets minor league infield coordinator. He and Davey were teammates on the uh, then Tampa Bay Devil Rays 
uh, for the 1998 and 1999 seasons and part of the 2000 season. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Michael Lindsay on the reward from head coach Rod Rivera for his commanders for their win at the Pats. Writes Michael, did you happen to catch Rivera's postgame address to his players in which he gave them an extra day off? Really, Ron? I mean, they beat a 2-6 and six team, for God's sake. You get days off. If any extra days off are to be taken, those days off should be for bringing down a Goliath, not a struggling team that you barely beat in the first place. What say you? Keep up the great work with the best podcast in the business. Uh, thank you very much for that, Michael. Yeah, uh, if you've watched the clip, uh, Ron Rivera got goaded <laughs> by interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen into giving the commanders that extra day off. Here's the clip. You're going to hear John say that we'll see you on Wednesday, implying that the team deserves to be off on Tuesday. And if you watch the video, John then makes a funny face. Then we get a swerve from Ron. He acts like he isn't giving the team Tuesday off, but then announces that he is giving the team Tuesday off. Here you go. See y'all boys on Wednesday. Yes, no, hey, y'all <laughs> All right. What Ron Rivera did actually was pretty funny. The typical regular season game week schedule for an NFL team has been game on Sunday, back at the team facility on Monday for game review, off day on Tuesday, and then the practice week for the next game starts on Wednesday. The commanders this season are doing things differently. The team's regular off day is Monday, and then the game review day is Tuesday. And I say game review day. There are other things that go on, but that's just a general way of referring to that day. I'm assuming that the commander's essential game review work uh, that would have happened on Tuesday is getting done at some point this week. But yeah, I'm not in love with the idea of the team not doing all that it could slash should do, especially given the nature of that win at the Pats. A nice win, but this was a 2017 win at a team that fell to 2-7 and seven this regular season. And this was a game in which the Commanders blew a 10-0 second quarter lead. Don't forget that. Uh, email from Larry Sabbath off the absurd third quarter 15-yard roughing the passer penalty on edge defender K.J. Henry in the Commanders' win at the Pats. Writes Larry, I've had it with the NFL's attempts to outlaw defense. The outrageous rule on sacks is just the latest demonstration of this bias. Since I've been following football, the following changes have been made. A defensive back can't touch a receiver receiver after a few yards. Pat Fisher could not play anymore. (laughs) An offensive lineman can hold if his hands are inside a defender's shoulders. For some unknown reason, a quarterback can ground the ball if the ball is thrown outside the tackle box. What is the logic of that? I understand the attempt to make the game safer, but the requirement to sack a quarterback through some gymnastics maneuver (laughs) is probably increasing the risk of injury because only larger defenders will be able to take the quarterback to the ground. The NFL risks becoming the NBA, in which defense appears to be illegal. Uh, Thank you for the email, Larry. I hear you. I do. But, you know, when it comes to whether the NFL skewing things toward offense is the right way to go, here's what the NFL will tell you. 82 of the top 100 most watched United States television broadcasts of 2022 were NFL games. Let that sink in. 82 of the top 100 most watched United States television broadcasts of 2022 were NFL games. The NFL is by miles the most powerful television ratings force in this country. If interest in the NFL somehow declines, then yeah, changing how games are officiated might be examined. But the NFL is a business. Business has been thriving for years. And as absurd as something like that roughing the passer penalty on KJ Henry was, is that really going to lead you to not watching the commanders or not watching the NFL? Like we all yell and scream 
about the absurdity of that roughing the passer penalty on K.J. Henry. But at the end of the day, what are we going to (laughs) do? You know, what are we going to do? Are we going to not watch the NFL anymore? Of course not. And the NFL knows all of this. The NFL is a drug that we can't quit. The NFL is the drug. We are all Charlie Sheen. (laughs) Uh, Email from Bruno on something that we've talked at length about this week. The notion of Sam Howell potentially being a franchise quarterback. For the Commanders, writes Bruno, What's up, Al? Longtime listener. Neither one play nor one win truly answers the question of whether Sam Howell is our franchise quarterback. Rather, a collection of plays or a whole season or seasons will finally have that question answered. Sam stock is rising as this season continues. That I do know. Uh, thank you for the email, Bruno. Uh, Sam stock is rising for sure. Uh, he needs to keep stacking one good performance after another. His last two performances have been terrific. Uh, A law firm that is terrific is Paulson and Nace, which has won millions of dollars for clients and was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices, and false advertising. Heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. Attorneys Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are experienced trial attorneys who are not afraid to take cases to trials. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged, but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You could also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, before we get to our guest, Commanders Analyst Mark Bullock, I have a few Commanders slash Commanders-related items that I want to get into with you. The team on Tuesday afternoon did announce some roster moves, including the placing of center slash guard Ricky Stromberg on the reserve injured list. Uh, Ricky Stromberg, for the Commanders' last game, the 2017 win at the New England Patriots this past Sunday afternoon, was inactive due to a knee injury that he suffered in the 38-31 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field at Week 8. The Commanders took him in the third round of the 2023 NFL Draft out of Arkansas. He, on the reserve injured list, uh, now joins offensive lineman Braden Daniels, who the Commanders took in the fourth round of the 2023 Draft out of Utah. He has been on the reserve injured list since August 28th. Another roster move announced by the Commanders on Tuesday afternoon was the signing of guard Julian Good-Jones off the Philadelphia Eagles practice squad to the Commanders' active roster. I bring this up because Washington has a strong recent history of getting key contributors from NFC East rivals. Think about this. Edge defender Casey Tuhill, Washington claimed him off waivers from the Philadelphia Eagles in October 2020. The Eagles took Tuhill in the seventh round of the 2020 draft out of Stanford. Interior defensive lineman John Ridgway, the commanders claimed him off waivers from the Dallas Cowboys in September 2022. Uh, the Cowboys took Ridgway in the fifth round of the 2022 draft 
out of Arkansas. Receiver slash punt returner Jamison Crowder. The commanders on September 6th signed him to their practice squad off the New York Giants on August 30th, and they're cut down to 53, having terminated the contract of Crowder. So perhaps Julian Good-Jones, JGJ, is uh, Washington's next great acquisition, uh, courtesy of an NFC East rival. But no NFL news on Tuesday brought a smile to my face (laughs) more than the news that former Commanders quarterback Carson Wentz is signing with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Yes, Commander Carson back in the NFL. Now, him signing with the Rams has not been announced by the Rams, but the move, uh, per reports, is happening. You know, Carson Wentz had been working with another guy out of the NFL, former NFL head coach and former ESPN Monday Night Football analyst John Gruden. Uh, The Rams head coach, of course, is former Redskins offensive coordinator Sean McVay. Sean McVay is a John Gruden disciple, having worked as an offensive assistant for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2008 season, which was John Gruden's final season as Bucks head coach and was former Skins executive Bruce Allen's final season as Bucks general manager. The amount of connections here to Washington really high, including this. So the Rams QB1, Matthew Stafford, he suffered a sprained ulnar collateral ligament in his right thumb in the Rams 43-20 loss at the Dallas Cowboys in week eight. He did not play in week nine. The man who was the Rams starting quarterback uh, for their 23 loss at the Green Bay Packers in week nine Brett Rippin, the nephew of former Skins quarterback and Super Bowl 26 MVP, Mark Rippin. Uh, the Rams on Tuesday afternoon did wave Brett Rippin. But anyway, Carson Wentz. Uh, look, who knows if he'll even play for the Rams. They're on their bye week. Matthew Stafford could be back as the Rams starting quarterback for their next game, which is a home game against the uh, commander's next opponent, the Seattle Seahawks on uh, Sunday afternoon, November 19th. Uh, This was ESPN NFL analyst Marcus Spears on ESPN's NFL Live on Tuesday afternoon on the Rams reportedly signing Carson Wentz. It makes sense. I mean, look, first of all, the Los Angeles Rams have nothing to lose. And if Carson Wentz is going to be your number two, uh, based on how he's played at a high level in this league before, that's a hell of a one-two punch between him and Matthew Stafford. And usually you're looking for those guys to get you through a rough patch like you have right now with Matthew Stafford with, with his hand situation. I don't hate this move at all. I think Carson Wentz can be a great backup in L.A. We saw Baker Mayfield come in two days mm-hmm. before a game almost and have success in that offense. It'll be about Sean McVay and the position that he puts him in. But to have a number two overall pick as your backup ain't bad. This is a good move by the Rams. All right. Well, we all know what happened with Carson Wentz last season, uh, his lone season with the Commanders. We don't need to do a history lesson, all right? Uh, but if there is another good run in Carson, you'd think that Sean McVay could get that out of Carson, who, remember, did have a pretty good 2021 season with the Indianapolis Colts. And as bad as his 2022 season with the Commanders ended up being, he did have some good games for the Commanders. Uh, Yes, he did. Uh, Carson became the first Washington quarterback to have at least six touchdown passes over the first two weeks of an NFL regular season since Mark Rippon in 1989. Uh, Carson in the Commanders 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field on October 9th, 2022, threw for 359 yards and two touchdowns, averaged 9.45 yards per pass attempt, and per pro football focus had five big-time throws. But (laughs) Carson in that game also threw a game-sealing interception, which followed two near picks by Carson over the two previous snaps in the quarterback commander's offense that uh, in that game went one of 11 on third downs. Uh, And then we eventually had one of the single worst performances by a Washington quarterback ever, Carson's performance in the 24-10 loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field this past New Year's Day. The less said about that game, the better. No things ultimately did not go well uh, for (laughs) Commander Carson with the Commanders. I love that nickname. That nickname is so bad, it's good. You know, some things in life are so bad, they're good. That nickname, Commander Carson, so bad, it's actually good. Well, very good is Nova Fireplace and Stove. If you are in need of fireplace stove or chimney work and you live in Northern Virginia, get with 
Nova Fireplace and Stove. Nova Fireplace and Stove handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571 571- 513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Offer good while supplies last, but this is a tremendous deal. Nova Fireplace and Stove has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by massive Commanders fans, and it has outstanding professionals. Whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. A master gas fitter, master electrician, class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector, and because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors, and Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It has a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, Nova Fireplace and Stove. Dot com and take advantage of this special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, I have joked with our next guest about how it feels like every time that we speak, we're talking commanders off a commander's loss. Uh, so let us savor that this conversation is happening off a commander's win, a 2017 win at the New England Patriots this past Sunday afternoon. I am pleased to welcome back to the pod, commander's analyst Mark Bullock. Uh, who this commander season is joining me on the podcast on an every other week basis. Uh, Mark is not just a commander's analyst, he also is a commander's fan, and he does excellent commander's film breakdowns. You can read Mark's work on his Substack, Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. He has more than two thousand subscribers. He puts up multiple posts per week, and the posts are in-depth film breakdowns with video. Make yourself a smarter commander's fan, Mark Bullock. .substack.com is written for The Athletic and for The Washington Post. You can follow Mark on X at Mark Bullock NFL. Uh, So a lot of talk these last few days about Sam Howell perhaps being a franchise quarterback off him playing well in each of the commander's last two games, the 38-31 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field at Week 8, and then this win at the Pats in Week 9. You and I agree that Sam is tracking well, but we do need to see more. That said, the sack problem. It had been Sam's biggest problem. It had been the offense's biggest problem. It has been so much less of a problem over these last two games. Sam has taken just four sacks over the last two games of having taken 40 sacks over the commander's first seven games this regular season. The biggest reason for the lessening of the sack problem is what? He's making a lot of really good decisions. Um, and his mental process appears to have sped up the past couple of weeks, which probably comes just from the amount of experience he's had now over the last eight or nine games. You know, he's he's been throwing the ball 40 or 50 times a game, so it, it, that has sped up his, his development because he's, he's effectively played three or four extra games from the amount he's been throwing the ball. So um, we're, we're seeing that development happen. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that this week against the Seahawks, he's, that's going to continue. Hopefully it does. Um, but the each game is its own unique entity, and the Seahawks are going to show him some stuff that he hasn't seen before. And hopefully we'll, we'll see him continue to be able to diagnose that and, and play through that and, and play efficiently. Um, because that I think, to me, that's the biggest factor of why the offense is now cutting down on those sacks drastically. 
Sam Howell in the win at the Patriots this past Sunday afternoon, really good when blitzed. And as we know, uh, the Pats defense is run by their head coach, the great Bill Belichick. But Sam in the game for Pro Football Focus had the following stats when blitzed. 13 of 18 for 139 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. You on your Substack on Monday put out a piece headline, quote, Sam Howell continues positive development trend against Patriots pressure packages End quote. As you know, doing well against pressure is one of the hardest things for a quarterback to do. How and why was Sam so good against the Bill Belichick blitz? Yeah, for me, it was, as I say, kind of diagnosing them pre-snap. Um, and perhaps, you know, the, the switch at center with Tyler Larson probably helps um, with Larson helping ID some of those things. But we saw how also IDing them himself, like the touchdown pass to Johan Dotson, you could see he was reading things pre-snap and he actually motions Logan Thomas in to join the protection because he thought it was going to be cover zero and it, it was it wasn't pure cover zero but it was a cover zero variation um, and so he motioned Logan Thomas to take care of um, the defensive end on that side and that let the offensive line slide the other way into the blitz which meant that the blitz got picked up and that gave him time to take that shot down the field and so that stuff pre-snap that he's identifying better than he did even a few weeks ago when that, that Giants game when the Giants blitzed the hell out of them and, and they couldn't do anything. Um, that was stuff where they weren't getting the protection correctly aligned. They had they had the physical numbers to pick up the bodies that were blitzing. They just either the line was sliding the wrong way or they would have they would be overloaded on a certain side and, and that wasn't being identified properly and Having, as I say, having Tyler Larson in there probably helps with that, but you saw the process from Sam, especially on that touchdown where he was identifying it. He was the one that put Logan Thomas in to help protect, sliding the line the other way and, and buying himself time to for that deep shot to develop. So, um, yeah, I, I think that was the biggest thing is that he's starting to understand different looks and understand the kind of tells that a defense might give that indicate a blitz might be coming and getting the protection aligned correctly. Yeah, with the commander's offensive line, the uh, new look offensive line over the last two games, boy, does this benching of Nick Gates in favor of Tyler Larson at center seem to have made a difference. Uh, We also, of course, have had Chris Paul at left guard instead of Sadiq Charles with Sadiq on the reserve injured list. Uh, But it has become clear that the protection calls that were such a problem in the commander's 14-7 loss at the New York Giants in week seven were the fault of Gates as both Ron Rivera and assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy have talked about the uh, calls slash communication with the offensive line being better lately. But protection calls aside, are you seeing actual better play by Larson as compared to Gates? Not necessarily. I, I think at, at both the left guard spot and the center spot, I, I, I think the actual play when the ball is snapped isn't drastically different. Like, um, yes, there have been plays, like, if you compare Larson to Nick Gates in that Giants game, it's a little bit harsh on Gates because that's taking Gates' worst performance and comparing it to other guys' better performances. Um, so, yes, he, that, that was a drastic upgrade from that game, but Gates earlier in the season hadn't been that bad um, and had done better on stunts and stuff. And in this game, um, Larson was was struggling a little bit at times with certain stunts and, and um, he was surrendering some pressures up front. Um, Chris Paul at left guard has, has been kind of similar. He's been up and down. Like it, if he's in a kind of phone booth and able to just block the guy in front of him, he can do that. Um, as soon as this kind of stunt comes his way, he's asked to redirect, um, you know, where he has to pass off a defensive tackle to the left tackle and then redirect his feet to slide back inside and pick a guy stunting inside. That, that's where he kind of struggles um, because he doesn't have necessarily the quickness that Zeke Charles had in, in terms of being able to pick up those stunts and, and readjust his feet. So um, th- there have still been issues up front. Um, in general, the offensive line play, the, the, th- the thing I've kind of maintained the whole season is the offensive line play has been decent enough for a quarterback to be efficient. Um, and obviously there have been situations where Andrew Wiley or something gets beat and it is just... A quick win for the defense and then there's nothing really you can do about that other than Andrew Wiley needs to improve but for the most part it's been efficient enough to allow Howell to get the ball out and I, and I think 
in general, that's kind of been the way it has stayed. Um, obviously, in that Giants game, they had issues with the actual scheme of uh, assigning the protection to the right guys, and the switch to Larson seems to have helped with that. Um, so obviously, that's going to help protect better because they're they're not having as many free rushers. But in terms of the actual, like if you just put Larson one on one blocking in, instead of Gates, I don't think there's. In my eye, at least, I don't think there's been a huge difference in terms of play. What have you made of Eric Bieniemy's play calling over the last two games? I, I think it's probably been a little bit more consistent in, in terms of doing the things that Hal does well. Um, that we've seen a little bit more of the quick game stuff, um, which and then we've seen a little bit more of like the answers to those blitzes with screen game and, and quick game and stuff like that to, to get the ball out of Hal's hands quickly and certainly early in the game, getting Howell into a rhythm before they build into the deeper shots down the field and, and the five-step drops and the seven-step drops and the play-action stuff. Um, so I think it's been a little bit more consistent. Um, I would say, you know, I, I, I would question the enemy's play calling when it came to late in the game. Once they got to the fourth quarter, I felt like they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit and were trying to run out the clock. And, and obviously, you, you you do go into a certain mode at a certain point in the game where you try to run the ball and you, you run the ball on first and second down, you bleed the clock and, and you try to kill the game that way. But I felt they went to that probably a drive or two too early um, and they suffered as a result. Whereas if they kept passing the ball and kept their foot on the gas a little bit more, they could have extended that lead to you know a seven or a ten point lead and, and then start to bleed out the clock a little bit more. So... Um, uh, that that's where I'd question the enemy, but I, th- I think in general, yeah, that the start of games have been a little bit more consistent, um, giving how the, the the kind of screen games and the quick game stuff to, to get the ball out of his hands and, and get him into rhythm a little bit quicker. Um, but once they got into the game and got off that kind of first fifteen uh, that they script, I, I think it's been not too dissimilar to what we've seen in, in previous weeks, and um, I, I think. Powell has just started executing it a lot more consistently. One of the criticisms of Scott Turner during his three seasons as Washington offensive coordinator 2020 through 2022 was that his play calling lacked a certain logic, that there wasn't much in the way of what's called sequential play calling. I'm just curious, how do you evaluate Eric Bieniemy in that regard? Uh, the style that Bieniemy goes with isn't same as what we've seen from like a Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay where where they they use one play to set up another to set up another and, and the typical example would be like Shanahan sets up an outside zone run to then use a bootleg off of it and then later on the game come back to a deep shot of a play action pass off of that um, and it would all look the same and it would all build into one package of plays that's not necessarily what the enemy does um, and what this offense does, it, it can do that um, but what the offense is more about is understanding exactly what the defense is likely to use in any given situation and calling plays that attack those different coverages um, and giving the quarterback different options against those coverages. Um, so it, it's a lot more advanced scouting um, and, and not quite so much setting things up. Um, so it, it's not necessarily, we haven't seen the sequential play calling that we've seen from other coaches in the past and that was what the the kind of criticism of Scott Turner was but we, we we've seen where Scott Turner was just kind of running his same handful of plays with a bunch of different formations um the enemy is using different concepts um and he's using them matching them up to the different coverages that he scouted during the week and gone okay these guys like to play cover two in this situation and, and we know that this kind of co- this kind of route combination can beat that or they're going to play quarters in, in third and eight or whatever, and, and we know we can attack quarters with these handful of plays. So that that's kind of the style that the enemy goes with. And um, I think you've seen kind of the Andy Reid tree all been fairly successful doing that type of thing. Which play calling way is better? The Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay way, or the Andy Reid, Eric B. Enemy way? I think uh, they, they both have their merits. I, I, I kind of grew up, understanding and learning football through that that Kyle Shanahan system so to me that just kind of clicks and, and makes more sense because it was like it's like the first language you learn it it's it's much easier for us to 
to learn English naturally and speak English and then trying to learn a second language, it becomes suddenly some, a lot more difficult. And so, um, yeah, for me, that, that style of setting things up with, you know, you, you use the wide zone run scheme, you show the same look and you run play action stuff off of it and set stuff up. I, I always liked that style. Um, but there's certainly like, you can't really question the success that Andy Reid's had in this league where you scout the team so thoroughly and you understand not just what coverages they run, but the type of coverage rules they have. Um, you don't really need to set things up if you know exactly what they're going to run and you know the place they're going to beat that coverage. Um, there's no need to set things up. So, um, and it's, it's not to say that they don't set things up. Like we saw in the Super Bowl last year, um, you know, Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid, they, they tested out that um, that goal line motion where the, the Eagles failed to pass it off properly and, and that set up a couple of easy touchdowns. And, and they tested that earlier in the game to see that, confirmed that what they had scouted early, earlier in the season was correct and, and they were and then they ran those plays and then they had success. So it's not just calling a bunch of plays. There, there is some method to that. But um, yeah, it, it's certainly a lot more detailed scouting work goes into it. Much more with Mark Bullock in moments. We're going to next talk Commander's defense, including Mark on corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. and on the team trading edge defenders Montez Sweat and Chase Young. A lot of needs for the Commander's defense given its uh, overall disappointing season. But when it comes to your body's universal needs, know that AG1 is an outstanding nutritional supplement. Like many of you, my sleep is uh, all over the place (laughs) Uh, due to my work schedule and having two young kids. Drinking AG1 helps me feel energized, focused, and healthy. I especially like drinking AG1 after working out and doing my best to look like former Redskins safety Laron Landry. I'm still trying, okay? I'm not there yet, but maybe one day possibly I'll get close. Uh, But you see, AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs, like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition. AG1 has been continuously refining its formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. And if you want to take ownership of your health, doing so starts with AG1. And here's a great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. You can get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase of AG1. All you got to do is go to drinkag1.com slash Al Galdi. Drinkag, the number one, dot com slash Al Galdi. That's drinkag1.com slash Al Galdi. More now with Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. So you on your Substack on Tuesday morning put out a piece on Emmanuel Forbes, uh, a breakdown of his performance in the win at the Patriots, what was a performance that made Forbes the highest graded qualified Commander's player for pro football focus for the game, an overall grade of 91.3. PFF grades were on a scale of of 0 to 100. Uh, Forbes in the game had two pass defenses. Now, the Pats are not a good offensive team. Their quarterback, Mac Jones, uh, not exactly 2018 Drew Brees <laughs> in terms of accuracy. Uh, and the Pats for this game were without two key receivers with Kendrick Bourne on the reserve injured list and Devontae Parker inactive due to a concussion. But Forbes played well. What stood out to you? Yeah, I thought it, it was really interesting to see that they played him about 75% of the snaps and the game plan was essentially we're just going to play man coverage and trust that our guys are better than their guys um, and, and I guess for a large part of that they were um, as you said the, the Patriots were missing some of their key receivers and um, you know Mac, Mac Jones has some decent talent but he, he doesn't necessarily strike fear in the heart <laughs> no. so you, you're, you're not necessarily worried about losing those one-on-one matchups, so I understand why they did that, but it's still interesting to me that, you know, Emmanuel Forbes was drafted with as this zone corner that plays off with vision, he can play zone, he can ma- play match coverages, um, and you want him playing off the line of scrimmage where he can have a view of both the receiver and, you know, the slot receiver inside and uh, uh, peeking at the quarterback to try to make plays on the ball, and you know, his best game so far has come with him playing now basically press coverage most of the game um 
but he, he did well. Um, he, he still had a few issues um, in, in that post you, you, you mentioned that I wrote about. He he still had some issues with his technique, um, but he has the natural kind of body control. He has really quick feet. Um, he can flip his hips really quickly. Um, that allows him to overcome a lot of those issues. And, and you know, better receivers probably take more advantage of, of some of those technical mistakes, as we've kind of seen with, with A.J. Brown. Um, but in this game, he, he was athletic enough to recover from those mistakes. And, and you know, his nose for the football is, is definitely still there. We, we saw him get his hands on the ball and, and break up a couple of passes and, you know, have that interception that should have been at least an offensive pass interference, but um, somehow wasn't called. Um, you know, he, he, I think he did overall pretty well. And, and in the times when they did play a few zone coverage plays, we saw him look a lot more comfortable, you know, playing off and, in quarters coverage, he, he, he looked a lot more comfortable doing his normal kind of shuffle technique and having an eye on both the receiver and the quarterback and anticipating where the receiver was going to go and kind of run his route for him. And um, So, yeah, I thought overall it was a, a net positive for Forbes, and, and hopefully he can build on that. No doubt. Uh, first time that you and I have spoken since the Commanders did what they did on Halloween, uh, traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young on what was 2023 NFL trade deadline day. A lot that I want to get to with you off this, but as someone who on this podcast advocated for the Commanders to sign Chase to a contract extension, what do you think about the team trading both Montez and Chase? It was a kind of an up and down day because I thought the when they first, the, the news of Montez Sweat getting traded for that Bears second round pick, which is likely to be a very high second round pick, I thought that is tremendous value. They've done really well to get that kind of pick uh, in return for Montez Sweat. Um, and, you know, thinking, right, well, they can now re-sign Chase Young. That kind of solves that solves that problem of which DN do they sign and, and can they keep both or the cap space kind of stuff. Um that kind of all felt like it was solved and and they got a great return for a guy they weren't going to keep and then a few hours later they, they trade Chase Young as well and, and suddenly that becomes oh is this team now just going into rebuilding mode and it, it, on, on reflection of that now it's, it's not necessarily going into rebuilding mode um, but there is kind of a we're in evaluation mode, I think. Um, and, and that doesn't mean the team can't now still go on a run and make the playoffs, but uh, I think it's kind of similar to when, if we remember back, was it Mike Shanahan back in the day saying we're in evaluation mode after five or six weeks? 2012, a season in which the team won the NFC East. Exactly. So th- it feels kind of similar to that, where they're, they're going to play some more of the younger guys. They're going to see what what they can do, they're going to give them the chance to play through their mistakes. And, and you know, that's not necessarily the worst thing in terms of the future of the franchise going forward. Um, you know, if if it's kind of already nailed on that Ron Rivera and his regime are, are going to be cleaned out at the end of the year and the new ownership's going to hire their own staff, then that staff is going to be better off with the highest possible draft picks that they can get. But um, obviously this, this current iteration of the team aren't just going to want to lay down and die and not win any games anymore so um yeah playing those younger guys and seeing what they can do i I can understand kind of the direction now but in in terms of you know chase young i I probably wouldn't have been as i said to you i I would have kept him um because he's been playing really well um and and he's still only 24 He, he has a chance to finally start putting together games that show that he can play to that kind of talent level that that he was drafted for um and if he can reach that potential then you know that it's very hard to replace that um you're not going to replace that with you know the 15th overall pick in the draft um so uh, i still probably would have kept chase young personally but obviously there was stuff behind the scenes where they they felt that chase young wasn't the right guy in the locker room or or whatever just wasn't meshing with this team or this coaching staff and and they they pulled the trigger on the deal so um i will be very interested to see how chase young gets on in san francisco i have a a feeling he's going to do very well there and they will regret giving up him for a late third round pick much like how they will probably regret giving up trent williams for uh, whatever it was a third round pick and fifth round pick back in the day 
the commander's trading of Montez Sweat and Chase Young on the same day was a very declarative and emphatic end to this Washington run of having an all first round pick starting defensive line. And the run ultimately was not a success. Now, there were some good seasons. The team's 2020 and 2022 defenses were good. And in looking at each player, you know, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, and interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, you wouldn't call any of those players bad. Uh, but Washington's all first round pick starting defensive line was a unit for which the whole way too often was less than the sum of the parts. Uh, What to you are the lessons from this experience of this starting defensive line comprised of four first-round picks not being what we wanted it to be? Yeah, I think it's tough to be overly critical because a large part of that era, you know, Trinkson was injured. So he was, and, and yes, he had a disappointing start to that second year where they were hyping up that him and Montez Sweat were both going to break the sack record and, and neither of them really got anything in those first eight games before he got injured. But, you know, that, for me, that's just a sign of immaturity for a guy that was, what, 21 years old at the time? Like, guys that are 21 and have had the amount of success he's had are going to be somewhat immature. Um, and, and to me, I, I would be looking at why the coaching staff or the player personnel, the, the development people in the building aren't able to get a hold on that and, and you know, kind of guide him in the right direction in that regard. Um, so the, the failure would be on the front office and the coaching staff for me. Um, I, I think they kind of, the lesson that I've learned from it is that just having four, defensive, four first round defensive tackles or defensive linemen doesn't make a whole defense go. Um, I, I think they didn't mesh the correct personnel together. Um, I think I spoke to you about it a few weeks ago that when when they had Jonathan Allen and Chase Young on the same side, those two didn't necessarily mesh well together because they were both looking to attack and win their, their gaps quickly and they often ended up in the same gap and, and being easier to block, whereas... On the other side, you have two guys in, in Deron Payne and, and Montez Sweat who are much better at playing off of another player and, and letting their teammate attack first and then reacting to that. So if you had split those those pairings up, I, I think they would have had more success. Um, whether that would have led to them you know, dominating games and, and the defensive line taking over and covering up for issues on the back end, I don't know. At, at a certain point, you know, the defensive backs still have to cover and not have 20 coverage busts a, a season. You know, that, that they, they, the defensive line can't stop William Jackson doing the wrong assignment and giving up a, a 50 yard touchdown on a two step drop. You know, that, that just, that there's nothing a defensive lineman can do about that. So, um, the rest of the defense still matters. Um, but you're right that there was never really that performance or that string of performances where it was, those four defensive linemen are taking over this game. The offense can't. The opposing offense can't do anything, and the defense is purely dominating. There, there was never that stretch of performances, and um, I, I think it was largely down to them not getting the the personnel matched correctly. And, and you know, they, as I say, with, with Young and Allen often ending up in the same gap, and um, Montez Sweat and Deron Payne not being as effective as they could have been potentially when, when they were paired together rather than being paired with one of the other two. So, um, yeah, I think that would be how I kind of, what I've taken away from, from that experience is learning that different, different defensive linemen work well with other styles of defensive linemen. The commander's defensive line now has this odd dynamic in which the edge defenders are making like nothing and the top two interior defensive linemen are making a ton. Uh, now, to me, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne have not been bad this season, but neither guy has been as good as he can be. And I think that all of the talk about Montez Sweat and especially Chase Young has allowed John and Duran to not undergo the scrutiny that they otherwise should. Where are you on the seasons that John and Duran are having? I, I would agree. We've definitely not seen the best of both of them. Um, I, I think there's a number of things that go into that. Um, I think in terms of the run game, I think both have been pretty stout as they typically are. Um, and, and like we saw that 
they were decent in the run game against the Patriots. They just had that one big run, and and that one big run was down to the linebackers running a stunt rather than the defensive tackles. So I, I think in general that their run defense has been pretty solid um, from those two, and, and kind of the level that you would expect. Their their pass rush is where the issue has been has been more glaring to me, and and the, the thing that is, has always been the case in my eyes is. John Allen is the better pass rusher. Deron Payne is a guy that he wins when the double team goes to Allen and Payne can get a one-on-one and he can win with quickness. And, and if a guard is able to match his quickness, he, he struggles a little bit. Um, and so the issue for Allen this year, I think a, a lot of the issue has been that he's been paired with Chase Young and, and they kind of both have, have lost out from they're not sure where the other guy's going um, because a lot of the time Chase Young wanted to dive inside into the inside gap of the tackle and, and a lot of the time Jonathan Allen wanted to rush outside into that gap and, and so they'd end up in the same gap. Um, so they didn't play particularly well off of each other so I think that hurt Jonathan Allen's rush a, a fair bit but in this game he didn't have that issue and he still wasn't back to the kind of Jonathan Allen we, we have seen in the past and maybe that'll take a few weeks for him to get used to. Um, but yeah, I, I would say Allen has underperformed in terms of what he can do as a pass rusher. I, I think Dron Payne, I've never thought of him as this fantastic pass rusher. I think he's been a guy that he he had that obviously that big sack number season uh, last year or a few years ago when he got his contract. Um, but those sacks, when you go back and look at them, were sacks as a result of the double teams going elsewhere and he beats a guy for quickness. And, and those interior guards sometimes are kind of like we're seeing with Chris Paul. They're, they're big guys that are 350 pounds and struggle to move quickly. Um, and so if they're isolated in space and, and you have a good first step like Payne has, you, you can win quickly. But if they're able to get their hands on them, then, then sometimes Payne gets stuffed. So, um, yeah, I, I would say the bigger disappointment has been Jonathan Allen, um, but I, as I say, there, there's other factors playing into that than just Jonathan Allen not playing well. Final question for you. So who the heck knows uh, what's ahead for the commander's defense beyond this season, given the expected massive change in the team's football operations, but off the team for years, having devoted so many resources in the ways of draft capital and salary cap space to the defensive line in an approach, intended or not, that didn't work what now? You know, for years, there has been this debate in NFL analytics of what matters more in the modern NFL pass rush or pass coverage. Should the team pivot toward pumping a lot of resources into the secondary? Uh, should the team maintain a defensive line first approach? Uh, should the team abandon pumping a bunch of resources into the defense and just focus on building up the offense? What to you is the proper path forward for the defense in terms of roster construction? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of it depends on the type of scheme that you want to run defensively um, because we've seen defenses be successful where they've had a lot of investment in the defensive line. Like the, the 49ers have a lot of defensive um, in resources invested in the defensive line and, and they play really well because they have a, a decent coverage system on the back end that allows those defensive linemen to kind of play freely and, and they all worked well together to to dominate games and, and help cover up the issues that might occur in coverage. But we've also seen, just as we've seen here, where the defensive line, if it's not schemed properly, uh, they, they don't take over the games and then the, the back end is exposed. So I think it a lot depends on the... the I, I, as, as everyone's kind of expecting, I, I think Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio will probably be gone at the end of the year. Um, and whoever comes in is going to have to either, if they're a defensive-minded guy, is going to install a new scheme, or if they're going to hire a defensive coordinator that will. Um, and, and so, it, for me, it's a lot depending on that hire. Um, if if that hire it comes from that kind of, I guess, if they were to come from the 49ers, for example, um, they, they would more believe in that defensive line being able to just be, you know, retooled, add a new defensive end or two that that you believe in and rely on that defensive front to create pressure, but scheme it up in such a way that gives them more of an advantage rather than just saying, we've got four first-round picks, go go do your thing. Um, you know, you, you need the scheme to be involved as well. Um, but it, there is perfectly legit 
coordinators out there that that lean more towards the coverage in now um, and think if if I get some star corners or if I get some good safeties or a, like a an amazing coverage linebacker that that really puts me in a great spot from a coverage standpoint and then I can make up for the pass rush by sending more blitzes or you know if I'm able to play pure man coverage on the outside because I've got four all-star corners I can then send everyone else on a blitz and not have to worry about it you know so um it very much depends on the the who the next defensive coordinator is going to be um and, and their philosophy within their system um I, I think there's valid ways to go about it either way um personally i i probably in the modern nfl i probably lean more towards making sure you have the coverage guys and if you have those coverage guys, then you can have the, a little bit more flexibility in how you rush and, and, and blitz. Um, but that that's not to say that the old style of rush your front four and, and drop seven into coverage can't still be a perfectly valid way of playing defense. The great Mark Bullock. Uh, do yourself a favor. Check out his work on his Substack, Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. Mark, thank you, and we'll talk soon. Great. Thanks. All right. Hey, if you're not pleased with your current fantasy sports situation because it's too time consuming or too tedious or just not very fun, uh, check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it is offering a limited time enhanced special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $500 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers a pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers a pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be really time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money if you sign up now with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy, will double your first deposit with up to $500 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So if you deposit $500, you get $500 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call one 800 889 Eight, nine. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Hey, we all love the NFL, and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars' Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars pizza you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. We move now to college basketball. Both Maryland and Georgetown had their season openers on Tuesday night, and both teams won. Uh, Maryland began its season with a 68-53 win over Mount St. Mary's at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. Season number two for the Terrapins with Kevin Willard as head coach. Major expectations for the Terps this season. They, for now, are not ranked, but Maryland was picked to finish third in the Big Ten uh, via the Big Ten preseason media poll, a uh, jointly conducted poll by the Athletic and the Columbus Dispatch. The Big Ten actually no longer conducts an official uh, preseason media poll for men's basketball. Uh, But the Terps in this 15-point win over Mount St. Mary's led by double-digit points for the entire second half. Now, the win was not a work of art. Uh, The Terps were choppy offensively. You'll get that in season openers in college basketball with a bunch of guys playing. Uh, The Terps went just 3 of 16 on threes and went just 17 to 25 on free throws. Also, the Terps totaled just six assists versus 15 turnovers. Uh, Kevin Willard went with a starting five of Jameer Young, Dante Scott, Julian Reese, Deshaun Harris-Smith, and Jordan Geronimo. Uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith, a 6'5 true freshman who went to PVI, went to St. Paul VI Catholic High School in Chantilly, Virginia. Jordan Geronimo is a 6'6 transfer from Indiana. And then we have the uh, three familiar faces, Jameer Young, Julian Reese, and Dante Scott. Yes, Dante Scott is still at Maryland. (laughs) It feels like this is his 15th season with the Terps. Uh, It actually is his fifth season with the Terps. Uh, The guy who should lead the way is Julian Reese, aka Juju. Uh, 6'9 junior got so much better as last season went on. Reese on Tuesday night in just 23 minutes as a starter had 18 points, 8 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards and 2 blocks. He went 8 of 11 from the field all twos. He did have no assists versus 4 turnovers and he did go just 2 of 7 on free throws. Uh, Jameer Young, he on Tuesday night in 33 minutes as a starter, 0 of 3 on threes and he committed 4 turnovers, but he also went 4 of 8 on twos and 4 of 4 on free throws and finished with 12 points, 5 rebounds, four assists, three steals, and two blocks. Here was Kevin Willard during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night on the Terps committing 15 turnovers. We've struggled with that so far. Um, that's been a, that's our, our two scrimmages. We had, I think, Cincinnati, we had 16 turnovers. Virginia, we had 15 turnovers. Um, again, we're working a lot through Julian. So Jew with zero assists. For, like, I think Julian's probably one of the best college basketball players out there right now. His free throws will get better. We shot him. He made 22 in a row this morning at 7.30 in the morning. Maybe we got to shoot him a little bit later in the afternoon. Uh, but we have to take better care of the ball. I didn't think we were good in transition. I thought we took some bad shots in transition. And we, we just can't turn over that many times. Next up for Maryland, a game against Davidson in Asheville, North Carolina, this Friday night at 7 as part of the 2023 Asheville Championship Tournament. Uh, As for Georgetown, the Hoyas, uh, they begin their season with a 94-57 win over LeMoyne at Capital Win Arena on Tuesday night in the debut of Ed Cooley as Hoyas head coach. It was on March 20th that Georgetown announced the hiring of Ed Cooley as Hoyas head coach. He was Providence's head coach for 12 seasons, 2011-2012 through 2022-2023. He, over those 12 seasons, made the NCAA tournament in seven of the 11 seasons in which there were NCAA tournaments. So there was no 
NCAA tournament in 2020 due to COVID. Uh, Ed Cooley has taken over a Georgetown program that uh, has been in a bad way, you could say. Uh, the last six seasons with Patrick Ewing as head coach did not go well. The Hoyas in the 2021-2022 season went 6-25 and overall and 0-20 in games in the Big East. The Hoyas in the 2022-2023 season went 7-25 and overall and 2-19 and in games in the Big East. But the Hoyas 2023-2024 season got off to a good start with this blowout of LeMoyne on Tuesday night. The Hoyas scored 94 points, could have scored more. The Hoyas went just 10-19 and on free throws, but Georgetown's offense was outstanding. The Hoyas went 10-27 on threes and a terrific 27-37 of on twos. The Hoyas scored 50 points in the paint to LeMoyne's 22. The Hoyas scored 24 fast break points to LeMoyne's 10. Uh, The Hoyas did commit 17 turnovers, but still really good offense by Georgetown. And the Hoyas' defense was good. The Hoyas held LeMoyne to just 7 of 31 on threes and just 14 of 34 on twos. Uh, Ed Cooley went with a starting five of 6'2", Illinois transfer Jaden Epps, 6'4", Texas transfer Rowan Brumble, 6'6", North Carolina transfer Dontrez Stiles, 6'9", Fairfield transfer Supreme Cook, and 6'10", four-star true freshman Drew Fielder. Uh, You may have picked up on a theme, a lot of new players (laughs) for Georgetown. Uh, Supreme Cook, he on Tuesday night in just 28 minutes as a starter had 19 points, 13 rebounds, including five offensive boards and two steals. He went eight to nine from the field, all twos. He did go just three of seven on free throws and did have no assists versus two turnovers. Dontrez Styles, he on Tuesday night in 31 minutes as a starter, two of five on threes, four of eight on twos, and one of two on free throws. He finished with 15 points and 10 rebounds, including three offensive boards. He did have just one assist versus four turnovers. We'll see with the Hoyas this season. Georgetown was picked to finish eighth in the Big East via the preseason coaches poll. So expectations not exactly sky high. Next up for Georgetown, home to Holy Cross Saturday night at 8. Hey, if you would like tickets to a Maryland basketball game or to a Georgetown basketball game or to a Commander's game or to whatever, download the Game Time app and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time app. Game Time offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. You see, the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about game time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team venue or artist. Uh, I was just on game time looking at tickets for commanders games. A lot of good deals. And the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. Also, Game Time is the app for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game Time also offers flash deals on tickets. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use this promo code Al Galdi for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Al Galdi for $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app and use that promo code ALGALDI. Game Time, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 696. We'll provide you with more on the commanders as they on Wednesday are beginning their practice week for their game at the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday afternoon at 425. We on Wednesday expect to hear from both head coach Rod Rivera and quarterback Sam Howell via press conferences. Also on Thursday show, I'll talk Capitals and Wizards. The Caps are home 
to the Florida Panthers Wednesday night at 7.30. The Wizards are at the Charlotte Hornets Wednesday night at 7. And I, on Thursday's show, will have college football for you, a Goldilocks preview and pick for Virginia at number 11 Louisville Thursday night at 7.30. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. See y'all boys on Wednesday. Yes, no, hey, y'all show <laughs> Tuesday, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that victory Tuesday, y'all off to Wednesday. Yeah!